Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello everyone and welcome to La Liga Lowdown. It's a midweek treat for you this time. Um, we've got plenty to talk about. We've got a bit of Copa, a bit of La Liga and potentially a bit of Kings League as well. More on that later. I'm your host Matt Clark and I'm delighted to be joined by Roman Darke for his second pod of 2023 because you did the <laughs> recap from the weekend. So welcome back on Roman. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, two in a row. Not bad to start of the year. Uh, the star of La Liga Lodon, of course. I have to be here. I'm just kidding. Uh, it's always <laughs> great to join you guys. So let's talk a bit about football. Awesome. Well, it's been a busy week already in the Copa del Rey. We've had quite a few La Liga sides falling. Uh, we'll just talk about that in part one. Um, quite a few interesting matchups. Third tier, Cueta knocked out Elche. That's probably the biggest shock so far. The small club from a an enclave in northern Africa. They stunned the La Liga strugglers by taking the lead in the first half from the spot and then holding on throughout the second half. We know Elche are bottom of La Liga. We know they've got problems, Roman. But Cueta are bottom of their league too. They are bottom of Primera RFEF. So the fact that they've they've knocked Elche out is, is still a big thing, isn't it? Oh, it's definitely big. I mean, for a club like Ceuta to be beating a first division team, it's, it's always massive. Even though, of course, um, we know that uh, one team is going to be way more motivated than the other because we know that uh, Elche's main focus is La Liga at the moment. Uh, of course, they would have uh, expected to win this game because we're talking about, as you said, a team in a very low division who's also at the bottom of their standings, who's st- struggling. But, you know, the passion still to have to beat a first division team is just was just too much in this case, I think, for, for Elche, who are just horrible this season. I mean, no wins anywhere, basically, you know. I mean, La Liga, at least, uh, they haven't won. And, and losing here, I mean, was definitely uh, another big you know, kick uh, in the butt, we could say, for Elche, who need to react as soon as possible. Some say this game might help them 
really understand what the reality is and, and have to like really work on the transfer market this this uh, next month or so to kind of uh, boost the team that could be helpful in that sense maybe but uh, I still think that Elche have a lot a lot a lot to do if they really want to save themselves because I'm not even sure Machin is the right coach for this kind of situation you know so it's going to be very tough for them this uh, defeat is also a very painful for the fans even though it's true that they have as I said they have to focus on La Liga uh, so it'll be interesting to see how Elche can react if they can because honestly I see it very, very complicated yeah the third tier side to illustrate once again what an achievement this is they've won more games in the copper this season than they have in their league so really congratulations to them we'll see who they get in the next round but yeah as for Elche it's, it's, it's hard to see isn't it you can look at it and say well obviously it's embarrassing it's a very it's a tough blow it knocks the confidence even further um, especially for a new manager like Machin as you just said on the other hand, you can say, right, they can forget about the Copa now because realistically, they didn't have much of a chance to go that far. As soon as they probably faced the La Liga side, they would probably have been knocked out anyway. So you can maybe say, okay, well, that's gone. They can just focus solely on the league now. Um, we kind of saw this with Levante last season. They Once they were out of the Copa before Christmas, then after they started to get a few few games going and some positive results. But um, yeah, it's a long way back for Elche. Not many people are giving them much hope, are they? Yeah, definitely, as I said. I mean, Elche just uh, look really bad on the field, off the field, in the Copa del Rey, in La Liga, everywhere. So it's going to be uh, super tough for them. There's always still a bit of hope as long as mathematics allow you to, to save yourself. But honestly, I don't think many really believe in that possibility. Mm. Well, elsewhere last night in the Copa, there was another shock as Rayo and Doni Yaraola's Rayo were knocked out by Sporting Gijón, a brace from Euros Milovanovic who is now the joint top scorer in the competition with four. He uh, he dumped out Rayo. And did you know, Roman, that the last three teams to eliminate Iraola's sides have all gone on to win the Copa? <laughs> That's a great stat, Matt. So, I mean, I, I would I would love to see Sporting win the Copa del Rey if it were in Barca, of course. So, I mean, that definitely would be amazing. But honestly, I think that streak might just end uh, this season. <laughs> possibly so, yeah, possibly so. Uh, we also had Hitafe leading twice against Levante, but they were pegged back and then conceded a stoppage time goal to fall to defeat. So a great result for Javi Cayeca at Levante, who's still unbeaten in his first 13 matches in charge. So really good appointment from them. I think we, we rate him quite highly here, don't we? And good to see him getting a result for Levante. But again, it's a bit of a poor one for Hitafe to fall to a second tier side and that'll keep the pressure on Kika Sanchez Flores, won't it? Yeah, absolutely. On one hand, I think uh, Gaeja is doing fantastic. I mean, here in, in when he was at Villarreal, especially, uh, he had some really good moments. Even though you know they they got rid of him, then they brought him back and all that kind of stuff. But we always we always saw that he was a a very strong manager to have uh, in in the first division. So just imagine the second. You know, I think he'll be uh, doing great things with Levante. And talking about Getafe, uh, I was surprised to see them win relatively comfortably uh, against uh, Mallorca on the past on the previous weekend. So I did think that maybe. They would keep up that momentum in this Copa del Rey game, but unfortunately for them, it didn't happen. And Kiki, of course, uh, I think he's a, he's already under quite a lot of pressure, and this uh, result, as you said, isn't really going to help him too much because, I mean, Getafe should be capable of beating Levante, even though it's a second division team. It's not one of the easiest matchups maybe you can find at this stage of the competition. But yeah, I think uh, Kike Sanchez-Flores has to be very careful because if he gets another bad streak of games, especially in La Liga, I think he could be looking to leaving once again from the club. Mm. Yeah, watch this space on that one. The Coliseum fans would probably not be too happy to see another couple of defeats. 
Uh, Valencia entered in this stage as one of the four Supercoppa teams and they made light work of Lanuthia. So to De Villarreal in the end, but they were 1-0 down at half-time in Cartagena. But uh, they responded with five second-half goals. That's now 16 goals they've scored in three Copa matches. So Kike Setien ball, it's, <laughs> it's rolling, isn't it, Roman? You like him? You're a big fan? I'm happy because I was uh, a bit sad to see how much criticism there was towards him so soon into his um, managerial career at Villarreal. I thought it was quite unfair and I think uh, this little break we had the World Cup has given him uh, more time you know, to implement all his ideas and, and not just the results in the Copa del Rey but also uh, in the kind of we could say mini pre-season uh, Kike mm. Setien had with this Villarreal while the World Cup was taking place. Uh, they got also really good, some decent results, lots of goals being scored. Uh, they got a good result against Valencia, lovely 2-1 win towards the end, which they deserved. So, I mean, things are looking up and it'll be very interesting to see what they can do uh, this next weekend against Real Madrid. Yes, we'll talk plenty about the upcoming match day in La Liga in part two, so stay tuned for that. Speaking of Real Madrid... They were also entering in this round. They were pretty stodgy, but they won their game against fourth-tier Casareño. Um, Really good fight from the fourth-tier side, who were up against a side that had about 350 million euros worth of talent on the pitch, including Eden Hazard, Militao, Rodrigo. It was a moment moment of magic from their Brazilian, and then he dedicated his goal to Pele, which was a very nice touch. Um, Ancelotti had a few things to say about the pitch, which was... Fair, I suppose, but also to be expected. What did you make of uh, Madrid's performance, Roman? Well, I think it's the kind of performance you'd expect from Madrid at this stage of the Copa, you know? I mean, we've seen them get eliminated by Alcoyanos, by Alcorgones, by all these uh, teams from lower divisions and struggle a lot. Sometimes they barely uh, make it past to the next round at this point uh, of the competition. So, I mean, I expected something similar. They didn't come back at their best shape, we could say, against Valladolid the other day. Uh, so it's going to take them a little bit to get the ball rolling at a good level, we could say. So I, I do think that this was maybe expected. They got the job done in the end, which is the important thing for them. That's what they want, you know, and now they can focus on the next match. Mm, absolutely. And that, of course, is Villarreal, which is one of the bigger games of the weekend. So we'll come on to that, as we say, in part two. The final game that was played on Tuesday night was an all-La Liga tie. It was between Espanyol and Celta. Espanyol had to come from behind to beat them uh, and it took extra time as well. Agustin Marchesan was sent off in extra time so Hugo Mayo had to don the gloves to finish the match between the posts but it was uh, Espanyol who came out on top. So a good win and a good boost for Diego Martinez coming off the back of the derby. Uh, okay Roman, there's there's some more games coming up. There's what is there, 10 more ties in the Copa including Sevilla in action, Real Sociedad, Atletico Madrid against Oviedo, Barca taking on Intercity, and then on Thursday, Osasuna at Gymnastique, Betis are facing the lowest ranked side left in the competition, Ibiza, Islas, Pitiusas, and then Athletic are also in action too. So, Roman, if there's going to be any shocks in the next couple of days, where do you think it might come? Well, I have an obvious pick, which might not be so obvious because, you know, football is unpredictable, but definitely I'd go for Sevilla. Seeing their level uh, this year, 2022, especially this season, uh, where they've been playing really poorly in La Liga, not really up to the expectations everybody uh, requires from from a club and, and a squad like Sevilla. I do think that uh, we could see a surprise there because as, as we've seen in, uh, this, uh, sorry, in the previous day of, of Copa del Rey games where there have been a few surprises, uh, it's tough, you know, it's tough to play against these lower division sides who are super motivated. They're playing in their home ground with their fans. Uh, we know that Sevilla, 
is struggling away at home everywhere but you know especially in a stadium where they're not used to playing that will make it a bit harder for them even so I think it could be one of the upsets of this uh, round of the Copa del Rey Mm, interesting by the time you're hearing this listener you'll probably know the results of those games (laughs) so you'll know if Roman is right to pick out Sevilla (laughs) as a potential victim of the Copa um you can also check out Rory's piece on our Substack, llonline.substack.com. He rounds up all of Tuesday night's action, including all the drama in Northern Africa, as Elche, as we say, were dumped out to third-tier side. Um, before we take a break, let's talk about something a little bit different now, Roman, and this is something you've written about on our Substack. It's the Kings League. Um, nice. Now, for anyone that hasn't heard about it or isn't familiar with it, give us an overview of, of what it is and why fans should be interested in it well first of all uh it's a new football competition that's been created by gerard piquet right after his retirement he hasn't wasted any time new project on his hands and he's working on this very entertaining competition called uh, the king's league which is uh, seven aside football so seven versus seven of course and basically uh, it, it's uh, formed by I think it was well, it's 120 players, of course, which are anybody. You know, I myself signed up to to try and play in this competition, but there was like over 13,000 petitions. Only 170 or 200 uh, got to the final round, and then they did some tests to the players. And then there was a draft where each of the 12 teams got to pick one pl- uh, one player until they made a squad of 10. So they each have 10. That's 120 players, and uh, all these most of these players come from. Uh, third fourth divisions uh, local regional catalan divisions it's they are like top quality players but some are most of them at least are very young tw- in their early 20s which have a lot of talent so i mean they could potentially you know um become important players in the future i'm not saying first division but maybe say or the or something like that and there are some also uh players that sign up to this draft like ex-football players like the, there's one from who used to play for the venezuelan uh, national squad etc and then from here on uh, there's two extra players that each president of each club can sign up, uh, which uh, are usually ex-professional players or currently uh, playing footballers who have no team or who have or have permission from their squad. For example, Chicharito Hernandez, he played in the first round. That Tamudo was playing, who's retired. Cap de Vila, uh, Berdu. There's plenty of, of of talent there, and what's also um, special about this competition is that there's a series of rules which have been completely modified in relation to football which so they're not seen or known uh, beforehand in, in football for example uh, there are special um, power-up cards which each club can use to kind of uh, give them an advantage during the game or there's different rules like for example um, you don't kick off from the middle of the of the pitch uh, each team starts on the baseline of each side and they have to run and get the ball so there's a series of things that make it more entertaining sorry I'm going on for very long and That's the okay. presidents and the presidents of each club uh, are actually streamers on mostly on Twitch but there's also YouTube guys TikTok guys etc and this kind of helps it to uh, give more movement, make it more popular among uh, the, the, that kind of platform of social media, which is also quite quite interesting because it's free to watch in the end, which is a, a big boost. Fantastic, yeah. I mean, there's some big names involved. You've already mentioned a few, but Ibayanos has a team, doesn't he? And Aguero's yeah. involved. There's Aguero, uh, Piquet, Casillas, Piquet, of yeah. course, he's the president. 
And yeah, they're bringing a very interesting player tag. For example, for the next match, uh, Agüero's already talked to uh, Javier Saviola, ex-Madrid, ex-Barca. He's going to be playing in the Kings League. Uh, also, Ricardinho, who's one of the best uh, futsal players in the history of, of the sport. Uh, Portuguese guy, uh, really, really talented. He's said he's going to take part. So, I mean, I think this is going to attract a lot of interesting names more and more as the competition evolves because I think it's, it's really entertaining and fun to watch. I mean, the level is good. So, I mean, it's not just these seven guys who don't know what they're doing you know it's actually uh, quite a lot of quality there mm. well there you go it's a fantastic introduction from roman there so check it out if you want to it uh, should be a lot of fun and as you say plenty of big names to get you hooked and yeah go and go and look it up go and enjoy it um that's a great advert you've you've done there roman they should <laughs> hire you as their sales pitch uh, sales guy um <laughs> fantastic stuff well we'll take a quick break now when we come back we will talk about the upcoming match day in La Liga, which has, as always, a couple of partidazos. See you soon. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to La Liga Lowdown. We are here with our midweek podcast. We're in the middle of a Copa del Rey round of matches, but there is still La Liga to look forward to at the weekend. Plenty of matches. I'd say the pick of the matches is in Madrid. It is Atletico against Barca. A huge game for both the top four race and, of course, the race for the title. Roman, what are your thoughts on, on this game from a Barca perspective? Well, uh, from a Barca perspective, uh, maybe... We're getting to this game 
after losing, obviously against, uh, sorry, losing after drawing against Espanol, which isn't the best result. I mean, I think we should have made the most of that. So we kind of saw at what level the team is after the World Cup, and, and it's not great because before the World Cup, I thought that Barca were actually performing uh, really well, some very good games. I'm hoping that Xavi can kind of uh, fix, you know, those those few things that didn't allow us to to look as, as maybe as creative uh, in attack uh, than we did against Espanol. And I do also hope that the team has this extra motivation uh, when they're playing at a, a club like Atletico. But I think this, this season, aside from defeats against Real Madrid and, and Champions League, I think against other stronger sides, uh, we've, we've performed uh, decently. So I'm hoping that we can do well. But of course, there's also the question of Robert Lewandowski, who apparently won't make it to the game. He's going to be sanctioned for the next three matches, as it seems. So that's obviously a big setback. We also have to see what level Atletico de Madrid is at, because uh, they got a good result, even though they did struggle a bit on the previous weekend. So it's going to be interesting, but I, I don't think it's going to be any of these two sides dominating the game. You know, I think it's going to be uh, quite balanced, but overall, I, I hope that Barca uh, have the edge, you know, and can actually take the three points because they have this superior squad. And I think they, they have the better, they play the better football at the moment. Both in action in the Copa on Wednesday, uh, Atleti at Oviedo, Barca at Intercity. So we'll see how they come out from those matches. Atleti haven't included Jao Felix in their squad for the Copa. So that's one to keep an eye on. He, he may just be rested or it could be a lots of transfer speculation. He's been in many headlines here in the UK as, as well as Spain. Uh, Arsenal rumoured to be quite heavily linked. Um, I think from a Letty point of view, though, the key is Griezmann, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, Griezmann has been probably their best player this season, or at least the more most consistent player, we could say, because others have had moments. Uh, like, for example, Joao Felix, I think he's playing pretty good at the moment, you know, uh, despite all, all the conflict he's had with Cholo before the World Cup, he scoring goals, he's come back scoring goals, he played well for Portugal, so I think uh, they can make the most of him in that sense, but uh, we never really know with Joao Felix, <laughs> so that's why you have Griezmann on the other hand, who's who's been really good uh, also in the World Cup, he was possibly one of one of the best players for most of the competition, and I think he he's the guy who can uh, make them step up, he knows Barca pretty well, of course, because he was there and he's... He, he never really adapted fully, but he knows how the club works, how the club plays. He can maybe help out Cholo a bit in that sense. Hopefully not, but yeah. And then <laughs> uh, we'll have to see what level Morata is, who's come back also scoring goals, and, and the rest of the players, you know. Uh, but yeah, definitely Griezmann is, is their key figure, I think, to, to get a good result against Barca. Mm. That game is on Sunday night, and it is live on ITV4, listeners, in the UK. That'll be free to air on ITV4, so that's a nice little bonus for you on a Sunday night. Uh, also, another big game involving the title race, top four, etc., European places, Villarreal against Real Madrid. Now, Madrid find it quite hard to travel to La Ceramica, don't they? The last four matches in La Liga at that ground have been draws. With Villarreal starting to maybe click on the kicker set end, this, this could be a potential chance for some drop points for Madrid, do you think? I mean, it could be, especially seeing uh, Madrid's level of late, you know, because uh, they've gotten through their games scraping some results, like uh, before the World Cup against Cadiz, they got that 2-1 uh, really close result uh, against Valladolid. It, ha it happened right until at the end when they won 2-0 in the last uh, 15, 10 minutes or so, 10, 15 minutes or so. And then we know that before that there was a draw against Girona, a defeat against Rayo. So, I mean, they're not at the best stage of the competition um, for them, so they really need to, to improve. Of course, they will have Karim Benzema, who I think is a massive boost for them in attack. You know, with him on the, on the field, it, it's different. 
But uh, I do see a Villarreal that's looking more confident, that's looking more dangerous in attack. I think uh, the key will be to see how Villarreal can defend because they have been much better attacking. They're scoring goals. We're seeing a Capoe that goes forward. Uh, we're seeing Chukwede uh, becoming very important for Kike Setien, which he hadn't been as much for Emery. And I think he has a lot of talent in that sense. Uh, as I said, Gerard Moreno not being injured is also crucial. So, I mean, there's a lot of interesting players there. But defensively, they have looked a bit shaky, I'd say, because against Valencia, um, when Valen Valencia scored the first goal through Cabani, for those uh, five, ten minutes before and after... It felt like more goals could have come against uh, Villarreal. They didn't look very solid. Pau and Albiol don't look like that uh, unbeatable pair of, of centre-backs that Emery used to have. Uh, they've changed maybe a bit, maybe due to the formation, due to the, the, the style of play or whatever, but uh, they're not maybe as consistent in general, the backline of four and the goalkeeper. So it'll be interesting to see if they can really... Uh, keep control of Madrid's counters because we know that with Vinicius, uh, with Benzema, with uh, Rodrigo if he's playing, uh, etc. There'll be a lot of danger in that aspect. So uh, definitely I would um, think there were going to be goals in this one, you know, because both attacks are, are fantastic and both defenses aren't maybe the best at the moment. Mm. Interesting to see what happens in goal as well because uh, Pepe Reina made his second debut for Villarreal in La Liga <laughs> last weekend. But of course, Geronimo Rulli will be back now and in contention. A lot of speculation about his future too. Uh, Ajax have been linked quite heavily. Do you think Setien will, will stick with Reina or do you think he'll put Rulli back in? Well, honestly, I'd hope uh, if Rulli's fit and everything, I'd hope he, he plays him because for me, he's, he's the better goalkeeper. We know that Rulli does make some big mistakes now and then. But overall, I think he's been very important to be a Real in the past few years, uh, despite his uh, little moments where he goes a bit uh, bonkers, we could say. Uh, and <laughs> but despite that, I think he's he's a he's a strong goalkeeper. And on the other hand, Pepe Reina didn't give me absolute confidence the other day against Villarreal I mean he did make some important saves but I just don't think he's the kind of goalkeeper a club that's fighting for Europe or even Champions League uh, can depend on that much you know so if Rulli leaves or whatever I think they're really going to be looking into finding another first keeper because I'm definitely uh, or I'm sure that Reina was always intended to be the second goalkeeper of the club you know mm. so I don't think he's going to finish the season ahead of Rulio or whoever comes in in his place. So hopefully they'll figure this out as soon as possible, but hopefully Rulio can play. Indeed. Yeah, we'll see what happens there with regards to the goalkeeping situation. Also this weekend, it's a Catalan derby. No, not that one. That was last week. <laughs> Espanyol Girona. Roman, uh, close, to, to, close to home for you in that part of the world. Uh, be an interesting one, wouldn't it? Espanyol off the back of that Copa win. Girona have, have already out of the Copa, so they've had a free week. How do you see this one? Well, it's definitely going to be uh, interesting. I think all Girona matches are interesting, for starters, because there's usually goals. They're a team that like to have the ball, they like to go forward, they like to generate an attack, and even uh, sometimes they take too many risks, I say, going forward. So uh, that's why it's usually entertaining because if they concede soon, then they really push forward and then um, they have to get their goal and they usually find it, you know. So against an Espanyol who's also scoring goals, well, at least in the Copa del Rey, they managed to put three past Celta de Vigo. Against Barca, they scored even though it was a penalty. Uh, if they have José Lu in good shape, he's definitely going to be a massive danger for, for Girona. I do think it's going to be entertaining. Both teams really need the wins, you know. They're in a delicate position, especially... Uh, Espanyol, of course, who are lower in the standings at the moment. Uh, but I think it's going to be one very entertaining game to watch. 
Mm. Looking forward to that one. That is on Saturday evening, eight o'clock on, oh, sorry, nine o'clock Spanish time on Saturday. Let's round up the rest of the games that are taking place this weekend. Friday, we have two games. First of all, it's Elche against Delta. So we'll see again if Delta can recover from their copper defeat, uh, taken on the Leche side, as we say, without, without a win in, 40, in 15, only four points on the board, really getting desperate for them. They will need to start picking up points. Valencia then take on Cadiz. Um, that's a nice evening game at Mestalla. Saturday, we've already mentioned Villarreal Madrid. We also have Mallorca against Real Valladolid before that Catalan derby, Espanol Girona. And then Sunday, we have four games. Almeria taking on Real Sociedad. Should be a fun one, that. Rayo against Betis. Also looking forward to that one. Sevilla, Getafe before, of course, the main course. Atleti Barça. Monday night sees Athletic take on Osasuna. Anything you want to pick out from those games, Roman, that we haven't already talked about? Well, I mean... Um... I want to see a bit uh, how Betis does in this game because uh, against Athletic Club, I think they deserved a bit more. Although this season, they're not looking like the team we all thought that could really compete for Champions League spots because uh, I thought that Betis were on an upward trend. But then this season, they, they have been maybe struggling a bit more than I expected. They're still in a good position, of course, to to, to qualify for, for even the Champions League. But um, they are getting too many players sent off of late. You know, I think... This season, there's been five, four, five, or six at least players sent off from Betis, which of course has really uh, trumped their, their chances in some of those games where they maybe deserve more. Uh, also, they had Fekir injured for a while, Canales, etc. So, I mean, I think having uh, most players fit and no, no, no suspended players is definitely going to help them a lot. But then Rayo Vallecano is, is, is a strong team at home. We know they're, they're playing well in La Liga, and that will be definitely a one to watch. And then also staying with uh, Andalusian clubs, I want to see what Sevilla does. Uh, Copa del Rey aside, because I think those games can be tricky. There's always rotations. Anything can really happen, even if, although I said it, there might be surprises. Uh, even if there are, I think that the league game is going to be something completely different for them. And playing against a Getafe, who got a pretty decent result last week, I think won't be easy for them, because Getafe are a team that know how to close down well and then have uh, two or three decent players in attack uh, with of course um, Borja Mayoral and Unesunal who are pretty strong and then Munir in the, as a backup so I mean they could do a bit of damage there to Sevilla so yeah I mean these two games at least aside from of course the Atletico, Barça's, uh, Villarreal's etc are two that I want to see and, and, and keep a close eye on mm. Let me put this to you Roman we're, we're almost done but let me put this to you since Sevilla last won a home game in La Liga they signed Isco, they signed Kasper Dolberg, they sacked Julian Lopetegui, they've appointed Jorge Sampaoli, they've seen their right-back score the winning penalty in a World Cup final shootout, they've broken the contract with Isco, and they've sent Dolberg back. So, yeah, they still haven't won in the league at home this season. Is that going to change this weekend? I mean, I would love to, to cheer up Sevilla fans and say, yes, it's going to happen this weekend, but honestly, I just can't, you know, because I think... Um, there's a lot of work to be done. Uh, I don't know if if San Pauli has enough or, or or is or has what it takes to kind of uh, revert the situation. Of course, he's slightly improved the team. We could say in terms of results, but still, they're they're right at the bottom, you know, of the, of the competition, which is awful to see for Sevilla. And uh, as I mentioned in the previous pod with Tom, I think uh, the problem is is not just in terms of the club, uh, sorry, the squad and the players, but also goes higher up in terms of the economy of Sevilla, which isn't going through a good moment. That's why they had to sell players like Diego Carlos, like Kunde. And of course, that really uh, limits Monchi a lot. And they depend a lot on Monchi's magic, we could say. But of course, if he's limited, 
it makes it even harder uh, to to target the right players. And and most of his signings from the, this summer have been quite average, we could say. I don't think there's any guy you say, wow, this was an amazing signing by Monchi. And we always say that every year, you know. Yeah. And this maybe it's one of the first years where we can't spot a quality player. I'm not saying Marca or, or any of the other players can uh, now start performing really well and we'll say, wow, Monchi did it again. But the feeling after this uh, first part of the competition is that he hasn't really managed to make it. And maybe it has to do because he was limited economically, you know, because of the club's troubles, as I said. So now they have a second opportunity in this transfer market uh, for Monchi to, to come up with a real magic because uh, there's a lot to do in this Sevilla team and when you're down there in those bottom positions it's really really hard uh, to break free you know and to climb up so uh, if they get in any deeper I'll be really worried but at the moment they still have hope so let's see if they can start uh, changing the dynamic yeah they've well Monchi's already been busy as we say Dolberg and Isco yeah. gone in the, in the door Loic Bade on loan um, centre back as well so mm-hmm. They'll be hoping that he can stay fit for a start. Um, but yeah, they've got a they've got a run of fixtures now, which on paper looks quite favourable. But of course, that's also against teams around them. So if they don't win those, it starts to look really complicated. So a big month ahead for Sevilla. We shall see how they get on, as well as all the rest of the games. We will be back with a recap on Monday. So look forward to that. Uh, thank you very much for your insight, Roman. Great as ever to, to talk to you. Thanks for having me, Matt. Always a pleasure. Indeed. Pleasure is all mine. <laughs> uh, check out our transfer thread on Twitter. It's back. It's it's a staple of La Liga Lowdown in the transfer window. Every edition made by a La Liga side goes on the thread so you can scroll up and back and see who's been doing the business and uh, seeing how the squads are shaping up. So check that out. Also follow us at La Liga Lowdown and check out our Substack, lllonline.substack.com for new content every single day. We've got stuff from Copa del Rey, Kings League, La Liga, <laughs> everything. So you're you're well covered there. Thanks again for listening and look forward to uh, enjoy the football this weekend and we'll be back soon. Adios. Se fue de uno de otro y con la derecha batió a Iván Moreno. Marca el Madrid, marca Rodrigo. ¡Qué golazo de Rodrigo! Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 